Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Push Outside Up Podcast. Once again, I'm Josh Shimanoff. As always, welcome by the one and only man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, is Angel Ortega. A lot of stuff to talk about this week, obviously, is UFC 281 Fight Week. Uh, we also have a massive fight going down to Sunday. Floyd Mayweather is going to get knocked up by the GOAT Deji. Uh, before we get into all that action, as always, we are brought to you by Rogue Energy. If you want 10% off your order at RogueEnergy.com, use the code SOUNDOFF at checkout. It's code SOUNDOFF at checkout for 10% off of all your energy needs. Holidays are coming up, folks. If you want to go ahead and get someone uh, just honestly like a nice little – I understand it's like a gaming drink, but at the same time, they kind of incorporate more stuff into like people that are active outside. I use it when I go to the gym. It's a, multi, it's a multi, multi-purpose, guys. RogueEnergy.com. Code SOUNDOFF. 10% off. Also, if you want to get somebody something for the holidays, you can go to Elixir.com. Elixir is currently one of the leading distributors of Delta 8, 9, 10 products. The, Del- the lab test of products include vapes, gummies, joints, gels, among other things. Please check your local laws in order to ensure that you're in a state where Elixir can ship to you. For fans of the Quartet Soundoff podcast, Elixir is allowing 10% off with the code SOUNDOFF at checkout. It's code SOUNDOFF at checkout for 10% all of your Delta 8 from Elixir. They obviously have more than just Delta 8. Angel, I believe you're going to give your, your review probably next week of, of Elixir on the show, correct? I hope I do it live. <laughs> take, take a couple of gummies and just, you know, go ahead and uh, have a fun podcast. But, yeah, Elixir.com, guys. Code sound off, 10% off. I use it myself. It's great. Uh, so, yeah, go ahead and check them out. Uh, last Saturday night, the UC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada, UC Vegas 64 being headlined by the women's strawweights. Amanda Limos and Marina Rodriguez. Going in, we kind of, we, we talked about it for a while now that Marina Rodriguez has just never gotten the respect that she deserves. Super long winning streak, even the one loss that she had was a split decision to Carlos Barza that a lot of people thought she won. I thought she won. That was a one loss of her career. And she was in there fighting just one week away from the women's strawweight title fight. She honestly probably could have sat out and got the title shot and said she wanted to put a stamp on it. Instead, she loses her title shot with a third-round stop. But Amanda Lee Moe should get in the TKO. Not without controversy. I will say that some people did think the stoppage was a little bit early. So, Angel, what do you think about the performance, ultimately, from Amanda Lee Moe? Coming in as the underdog, getting the stoppage. What do you think about the actual stoppage itself, though? I don't have, like, a crazy big issue with it. Um, as far as the fight itself, kind of to get into detail of it, man, that first round, you kind of thought, oh, man, Amanda Lee Moe's going to have some trouble here going to this next round. Fight went into the ground, you know. Marina was backing up, you know, waiting, waiting, waiting. She wasn't. She was the one getting walked down, but she wasn't in imminent danger, you know. Amanda hadn't imposed her will at that point, and uh, I mean, shit, we go into the second round, and uh, I mean, Amanda went in, she took her down. Fight kind of, you know, plays on. Damage is being built up, and then in the third man. She put it to her. She 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 went in, and I, I feel like Marina Rodriguez didn't necessarily fight the fight that I expected at all. But credit to Limos, man. She she did what she had to do. She walked her down, and you saw her physical strength. She's a very strong gal. She doesn't. You wouldn't think of it because of the way she's built. You know, she kind of has that lankier frame. But there's there's muscle under that, man. Yeah. 
And uh, you saw how she took her down. And initially, I believe even in the first round, that initial takedown was started by her. Mm-hmm. It just sure. got reversed on her. Yeah, man. I thought that the Savage itself was uh, – I thought it was fine. I mean, look, I I saw somebody be like, could you imagine if they stopped like a men's fight like that? You know, um, they probably, they probably, let's be honest, they probably wouldn't. I feel like women's MMA tends to have weirder stoppage on average. Like, then, not not always early, but just weirder stoppages. You know what I mean? Like, for example, Marina Rodriguez, she was in the main event. Remember that time that she knocked the shit out of Amanda Hibas and Herb Dean just let it go on for a while? Like, like, women's MMA just has strange stoppages in general, but, I mean, look, man, I mean, I don't have too many issues with it. She turtled up and she turned away. It'd be one thing if she stood in front of her, she was trying to bob and weave, but she kind of just put her hands up and literally turned away from the action. And at that point, they got to stop it. So I feel really, really bad for Marina Rodriguez. I feel like, honestly, I feel really, really, the worst I felt for a fighter in recent memory. Like, <laughs> like the, I don't think I've felt this bad for a fighter since the time that, um, Oh my God, Angel, you, you're you're better than I am. UFC London earlier this year, guy was a lightweight. He had his family there. His dad had like cancer or something. I, he had a really emotional. Ili- yeah, that was against Ilya Tapora. I am blanking on the name, but I'm on it. No, I think it was. I think I think the guy lost to Makwan Americani. Pretty oh, sure. Oh, you're Mach- right. You're right. Yes. I just can't remember who it is. That guy, I felt really bad for. Marina Rodriguez, I feel that is that is now my new number one in recent memory because Jesus Christ, I mean, the winning streak she was on, she was fucking. Let me see, she was sixteen one and two with the one loss being by split decision. Just couldn't get a title shot, you know. I feel that bad. was uh, Mike Grundy. Just Mike Grundy, thank you, appreciate it. So yeah, I feel bad for Marina Rodriguez. Amanda Limos, though, I mean, good for her. I think that she's still very entertaining. I thought that loss to Andrade didn't really show her skill level. I thought she just went out there and got caught in a weird sub really early. Um, I still think she's very, very good, and she may get a title shot next, so we'll have to see what happens there. But um, uh, moving on down to the co-main events, dude, Neil Magny, you just got Magnied, Dana Rodriguez. <laughs> you just got Magnied, okay? This is a guy that is... He's 35, you know, most people at that age are kind of winding down, but Neil Magny just keeps on chugging along. And I believe he now has the most um, wins in UFC welterweight history with 20, which is mind-boggling. He ends up submitting Daniel Rodriguez in the third round with a darts. This was one-way traffic the entire way. I mean, you got to give Neil Magny some props, man. What do you think about his win? I mean, solid. We always knew it was a possibility. I uh, I mean, I mean, D-Rod try to do his thing and come forward but it was i and i think i said it i I said uh uh neil magny can neutralize that slow that down and make him not be able to come forward and land big shots and and hurt him and i don't think at any point neil magny was any sort of danger by uh by d-rod if i remember right in the fight Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it seemed all pretty controlled you know and then you know at the end the submission came through and that that was uh that was the end of the night and I feel like credit David Rodriguez, but he's not like an extremely super uh multi dimensional fighter, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think I think we always there was a possibility for him to have issues at the higher at this high level, you know, at the, against these top fifteen guys because I mean we're talking about guys who 
are very good at stringing the wrestling and they're striking together and they're striking into their wrestling and they're wrestling into their striking into and then your jujitsu into their wrestling and they're wrestling into you know and so on and so forth. Mm. And uh a guy like Neil Magnuman who has a fucking engine, is well rounded, is capable of throwing a, a variety of combinations at times and I mean, it, it was going to be a tough fight no matter what. I just wanted, I was like, I want to see if D-Rock could keep it going. And I got on the hype train and it ended up, it ended up biting me in the ass against the picks, but I was like, you never know, man. I, I thought he was, mm-hmm. uh, take advantage of this opportunity he was given where he'd be the leech and take it, you know, take it forward because a win over the, over Leo, uh, Neil Magny would have been everything, you know, at, especially mm-hmm. at this weight class. I mean, we would have been, he probably would have got pushed pretty hard in another fight, another high ranking opponent. Who knows? Maybe, I mean, I don't, I want to speak out of pocket here. Maybe Gilbert Burns or, or someone yeah. like that, right? Mm-hmm. Not that far away from that, anyway. A fight like least, that. Yeah, at least like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I kind of, I kind of feel for D-Rod. I, I really do. Um, but at the same time, dude, I got to go ahead and give some props to Neil Magny. I mean, this is a guy, like I said it earlier, like at, at his age, 35, long time. Like, he's been in the UFC, man, for over a decade now, you know? So... He's been around for a long time, and he's still, he's not getting better. I feel like he's probably stagnant at this at this point in his career, but he's still that goddamn good. And I honestly, he, he's one of the most consistent guys in UFC, and I couldn't be happier for him to go out and pick up the win. I feel for D Rod because this is a guy that you know he kind of. I use this example with um, just fought Max Griffin. I use the example with him, but like. Daniel Rodriguez is thirty five now as well, but he did not have the heights that Neil Magny did. He's just now getting on top of things and maximizing his potential to go ahead and try and make a run. This puts a, a bit of a, you know, put a, put a, puts a bit of a damper on things for him for right now. Makes it with a lot of skill, man, and I'm just happy to see him back. I mean, the fact that we lost him for over a year with all those injuries, I'm happy that he's back. I'm happy that he's active, and it's not the last time we'll be hearing about uh, Daniel D. Rod Rodriguez. So he'll be back soon, I'm sure. But as far as the rest of the card goes, man, Pretty good. Um, only two decisions on the card. However, one of those finishes, we gotta go ahead and talk about it. It's one down from the co-main event. So Shylin, I'm not gonna try and pronounce this kid's name. I, I, we, <laughs> I went over last week, didn't even bother. Taking on Derek Minner. This is the first UC fight that has been investigated since, uh, Leo Kuntz versus, uh, Bang, I can't remember the, uh, Tae Young Bang. I think that was back in 2017. This fight is now under investigation. Because the betting lines flipped dramatically uh, just hours before the fight. Um, I believe that it went from, like, I think Shylin was, like, a minus 140 all the way up to, like, a minus 400 in the span of, like, an hour and a half. So, um, essentially, that, you know, it were leaked that uh, Derek Minner was hurt and that his leg was likely injured and he proceeded to go out there and throw a couple of leg kicks and body kicks Collapsed immediately, got TKO'd. So, Angel, I'll put this forth. What do you think about the whole the whole situation there? I mean, I don't want to I don't want to insult anybody and talk about fixed fights and yada yada yada. But after watching, because I didn't see that fight live, but after watching it, after knowing what they're currently investigating, that looks like the most fixed fight I've seen in a long time. What do you think? Did it really look that sus? I'd encourage you to go rewatch it. Yeah, because you're because going into it knowing. That his leg is hurt is different than watching it live and not knowing. Because if you're watching it live, you're just like, oh, he clipped himself whenever he threw that kick to the body. Now you know going into it that his leg was already hurt and you just start spamming kicks. That's a lot different. 
in my opinion. But what did you think? I mean, just hearing the situation, it's kind of insane. I mean, do we know how the leak occurred by any chance? Have you been able to, for some reason, find that information for us, Josh? <laughs> no. Um, I do know that a lot of the, the the talk around this is because Derek Minner is coached by James Krause, and James Krause is very big on betting. And he does that that shit I saw that uh, – I don't know if we talked about this on the show where, like, he's doing – working with, like, uh, another guy, and basically you load up your account and you give it to them to make bets. And I think you make, like, half of it back, but if they lose, you don't get – like, you lose all your money. <laughs> like, essentially, they're, they're doing some sketchy shit with gambling. And um, the fact that Derek Minner is coached by James Krause makes it look even worse. Fuck, man. Uh, who the fuck knows? I mean, we, we hope not, right? Uh, I mean, but it doesn't mean someone in the camp couldn't have leaked it, no, you know? No. Right? And, I mean, look, it, they, they trade at a gym where there's other people, you know what I mean? And if anybody – even even Joe Schmo, who goes training jiu-jitsu on the – you know, and obviously I'm sure the pro classes are really separated, right? Yeah. But, you know, you, you fucking – they're leaving the gym and someone mentions something, you hear it in the back. I mean, that's not an unlikely thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh. And, and, and fuck, man, who knows, right? Who knows? And I mean, it, it's not like very hard for someone. Let's be honest, Josh. If you, I mean, somebody in the gym could really be like, go tell their fucking family member, hey, put five hundred dollars down on this or whatever. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And part of the reason it was flagged is because there was a lot of money that came into the last second, and it was for a fight that most people. I mean, I mean, I was looking forward to it because Derek Henry is a fun it's, fighter, it's, but yeah. is that like, a high profile fight? Not at all. And for the line to shift and for as much money to come in, I don't remember how, I don't know if they actually said how much money it was, but it's significant enough for it to be investigated. So. I'd have been, I'd have, I mean, I'm guessing it's <clears throat> thousands, you know? More than likely, yeah. Like, way more than they would expect for that sort of thing. And it all went on the one guy who immediately went out and fell to the ground after throwing four leg kicks. Or four kicks to the body, excuse me. So and the, money, and the money was the money was put against Minner, right? Not for Minner. It was put against him. Yeah. Okay. I want to clarify that. Yeah, it, it didn't. It uh really widened at the last second. So. Yeah, man. I mean, like I said, I don't. I don't know. I don't know anything. I, I'm just pure speculation. But the fact it, it looks really bad. Um, this is not the first time that like there's been talk of like fixed fights. Like I mentioned earlier, like uh, Leo. Kunz, Australian guy. I think he fought on. I can't think of what card it was. Falls, he falls me on Twitter, so shout out Leo. But yeah, he lost to Taeyun uh, Bang in 2015 by split decision. Taeyun Bang agreed with the uh, to throw the fight, and uh, I think he got scared and backed out for the last second. But because the betting odds were so crazy, he got caught by authorities and he went to jail for a couple of years. So. Yeah, man. Um, we'll see what happens in this current situation. Uh, way too early to tell, but it is worth discussing about. But as far as the rest of the card goes, UBC Vegas 64, uh, what are some of the highlights and stuff we want to talk about from it? I mean, let's go down to Grand Dawson, man. Very impressive performance out of him. Gets it done in the third against Mark O'Matson, the Olympian. Mainly doing some groundwork, man. Uh, putting uh, Bringing the wrestling to the wrestler, to the silver mm-hmm. medalist himself. Granted, though, I mean, and this is something you never really think about is, uh, or at least I've never really thought about that Mark was a silver medalist in Greco-Roman, not freestyle, mm-hmm. which they're they're very different. One you can score from the legs, one you can't. But uh, good for Grant Elson, man. He's showing another layer to his game, as always. And 
I mean, you know, we've, we've seen we've seen the success on the ground before. I mean, but it, it, was, it was just solid work, man. And then he brought it back to the feet, did some damage on the feet, and then on the ground, threw some fat leg kicks. And uh, yeah, Marco Madsen was not going to win that fight at any point. And he really took control over it because what it would seem like a very tight and, and scary fight really turned into a really one-sided performance in the end. Yeah, I was very, very impressed uh, with that win, especially the way that he did it. You know what I mean? Um, Grant Dawson, now ranked at lightweight, pushed out uh, Drew Dober, I believe. Uh, not Tony Ferguson or Conor McGregor, but the one guy who's winning fights, which is bizarre. But anyways, yeah, I mean, hell of a win by him, dude. I mean, I was not expecting it to be that dominant. Um, we should go ahead and note, just just to throw it out there, Grant Dawson did miss weight for that one. Yep. Um, so I'm a little bit surprised they actually gave him a ranking. Normally they don't, they try to not reward that sort of thing. But, dude, that was a hell of a win, man. And uh, we'll see what happens with, with um, Mark Madsen moving forward. I feel like he's been one of the more – I don't want to shit on the guy, but he's been one of the more disappointing high-profile names to come in as of late. Like, I understand this is his first loss, but just kind of stringing along and getting a lot of not super impressive wins split with – Clay Guida, for example, and the Austin Hubbard fight, so on and so forth. He's never been that dominant, but he is 38, so we got to go and cut him a little bit of slack. But, I mean, yeah, man, that was that was a hell of a win there. Um, a fight I personally want to talk about. i got to go ahead and give a quick shout-out to my girl, Miranda Maverick. Miranda Maverick, 25 years young. I've said it for a while now, but, like, coming out of Invicta, there were a couple of names, like, people that, like, isolated on, because I saw them multiple times. And I was like, Aaron Blanchfield... Random Maverick, those two are going to be future stars. I'm not sure if they'll be champions, maybe not even stars necessarily, but future contenders. And, dude, they have exceeded my expectations so far. Uh, Random Maverick defeated, just mauled Shana Young. Uh, Aaron Blanchard we'll talk about, too, on this episode because she's going to be fighting later this week. So, yeah, um, yeah, solid win by Random Maverick. Um, any of the fights on the undercard you also want to talk about? Uh, Jake Haley, man, coming back with a win, obviously – before and having a tough out and then coming back and getting a six submission. There was a lot of submissions on this card, man. I think there was like, what was it, like three or four submissions? Something crazy like that? Something like that, yeah. Four or five. I mean, it was it was a lot of submissions. Uh, we, we don't get a lot of nights like that, you know? Yeah, not too often. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, I mean, it was, a, it was a really fun card. I mean, speaking of submissions, Jake Hadley, hell of a submission. Uh, early on in the card, um, triangle choke. Um, yeah, man. I mean, and we gotta go also go ahead and give a shout out. I can't believe you didn't mention her. Pollyanna Viana knocking out Jinyu Fry. That was one of the most savage women's knockouts. Yes. In a minute, dude. Like she. I mean, Jesus. That was ruthless, dude. So we gotta go ahead and give a shout out to her. Also, Pollyanna Viana. Um, Becoming quite the great uh, Twitter follow, if anybody's uh, anybody's on there. She's quite quite fun. I'm not going to get into any specifics. You can find out yourself. Um, but, yeah, go ahead and follow her. Um, Mario Bautista, also on the Forgiven, is getting a knockout of Benito Lopez. I remember whenever Mario Bautista came in, and he got immediately finished by Corey Sandhagen. I remember thinking, well, you know, he's going to be one of those um, one of those guys – like Chris Mutino, where he just comes in and just easily gets finished, and he's out within, like, six months. No, man, this kid's kind of – he's turned it around, man. He's on a 3-5 winning streak, five of his last six. 
I mean, you got to go ahead and give some props to Mario Bautista. He's a kid who came in with not a whole lot of hype, but he's doing some good work in there. So, yeah, props to him, man. Props to him. But any other uh, thoughts on this before we move on to the big event of the week? No, man. I mean, it was it was an all right card. It, it was fun. There was a lot of finishes. You know, I'll, I'll call it as it is. But I mean, it's pay-per-view week, and and nothing could ever you know come up against the pay-per-view. So let's get right into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, let's go. Uh, we got Floyd May... No, I'm joking. Uh, no, Josh, come on, say it, say it. Who do we have? We got Floyd Money Mayweather taking on Denji the Tank Olotunji. Undefeated. No, all right, we'll, we'll do that later. But you real, the, the real main event of the week. The real main event, that real shit we'll talk about later. UFC 281 is going down from Madison Square Garden in New York City, New York. We got two title fights on the bill. We got an amazing lightweight fight also on the main card. We got a retirement fight of one of the legends. And we also got Dan Hooker, who's making a return. Uh, <laughs> we got in the main event, dude. It's honestly, like, look, Alex Bahia is getting a push title shot. That is true. However, this fight is also a banger. Israel Adesanya, Alex Poetan Pahea. UC middleweight title on the line. These two obviously fought twice in kickboxing. Izzy lost a controversial decision the first time around. Second time around, they rematched a year later. Alex Pahea had to survive an early uh, standing 10-count in an early knockdown to get a third-round knockout of Israel Adesanya. It is the only time he has been finished in his entire career. Boxing, kickboxing, MMA. Alex Pay is the only man to turn out the lights of the last style better. Angel. This fight is very, very close. Uh, Israel Adesanya, I mean, I, I thought he had a close fight with Whitaker, but outside of that, most of his middleweight title reign has not even been competitive. Do you think Alex Pahea will be the man to put down the man and become UFC middleweight champion? Look, man, they're they're selling it well, aren't they? They're making it seem like, uh, you know, they they've, they set up a great story. But it's been years since that loss. You know, it's it's been a long time. And what was that? You said 2014? 2017 was, was the second fight. 2017. And before that, 2016. So, you know, a year apart from each other. But it's it's, it's been a while, man. It's, it's 2022 now. We're about to be in 2023. Uh, a lot has changed at that time. One guy stayed in the sport, stayed in glory, held titles there. The other guy moved on. To MMA and in, in, in four years has uh, done some crazy stuff in the UFC. And uh, Josh, I saw, something, I saw something crazy, but like, I think for his like, for eight fights in his last four years, there, I, I think the person said seven. I said eight because it didn't include the interim title. Hmm. Israel has contested in some form for gold or been involved for gold. Jesus. Yes. This will That's be crazy. the ninth. This will be the ninth time. That's a lot of pressure, man. That's a lot of times he succeeded. Fell short once against John Blachowicz, man, on a, you know, going up a weight, you know, and he was controlled. He really didn't get fucked up in that one, but it was, uh, and, and, and it was already really close from the scorecards. I think I could have actually pushed it from at the time. I don't remember. It's been a while, right? We're not going to get into that. We're yeah. here now. You know, we're not in the past. The living so, in the moment. With the living in the moment. from elixir.com. <laughs> Use code sound off at checkout. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but uh shameless plug, Josh. Shameless plug. I thought he fit it in there nicely. But you know who's gonna need uh some, de- uh, some Delta A Josh after this week is be Alex Bahia because Israel Adesanya is gonna bring oh! it to him, Josh. It's oh! MMA, it's a different sport. Oh! I feel like it's gonna 
show us something, man. I don't know what it is. He's talking about something. He went on the MMA this hour. He keeps saying, I know something you guys don't know. I know something you, know what you he guys don't know. He said he wants blood. He wants blood in that ring. He's ready. He's got the dog in him. Got that dog in him. We'll have to see, man, because he might have said that for the Canadier fights to an extent, too, if I remember. He says right. that for everybody. <laughs> I think he does. You're not wrong. I think every fighter does. But who the, the thing is, though. There's something behind this this match. I think that's something that's really good. There's a there's a true rivalry here that we haven't had in a while. This is this is a, they're and quote on you know quote quotation marks right trilogy fight because it's MMA obviously the two before we're in kickboxing. Look, I've always said I feel like there's still a lot of unanswered things. This has first five round fights in MMA. Who knows if it even goes five rounds? The rounds are longer in MMA than they are in kickboxing. It's something I brought up to you. He's a big guy. He's a big frame. We see how much he weighs. I'm curious to see, does he gas? I'm curious to see if there's some stuff like that that goes down. I mean, things that aren't really, haven't been really been mentioned that I think will play a factor at some point. If they do, they might not. Alex could come out here, put a, put a, a striking clinic against Izzy showing who the better kickboxing is in MMA and catch him with that big left hand that he's caught Dustin Jacoby with, Israel Adesanya, and many more. Yeah, man, this, uh, man, this fight is very, very interesting to me because like I said, um, this is a push title shot, right? I think everybody knows that Alex Bahia, like, he beat Sean Strickland, yes. But Sean Strickland is by far the best matchup for Alex Bahia. They, they picked the one guy that was way too passionate about his stand-up, even though it's not that incredible to stand with the former kickboxing champion. Sean Strickland could have out-wrestled him, but he's way too prideful, you know, to do that. So we get knocked the fuck out in two minutes and some change. So... I mean, I think we've kind of talked about in the past. Like, I think Whitaker beats him. I feel like there's a lot of guys that have been a weight. I think uh, Vittori beats him just because he's impossible to knock out, that big old head it is, you know. Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of guys beat Alex Payet. But does Israel Adesanya beat Alex Payet? They're, so, they're both strikers. They have history. That's what makes it inter- interesting. I am going to go ahead and go with Israel Adesanya to retain. I think this is going to be a very interesting fight early. But I think over the course of the fight, we're going to see that Alex Bahia has never competed in a... I mean, dude, even kickboxing is... If you remember correctly, isn't kickboxing like feet, uh, five three-minute rounds at the top level? Something like that. I'm not sure off the top of my head. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I looked it up. So it's five three-minute rounds for a championship fight. He's going to be doing five fives. And even in the training room, you can do all you can, but until you're in that moment... It's so much different, dude. So I think early, Alex Bahia may have some success, but I think over the course of the fight, Adesanya is going to break him down. I don't think he's going to take too many risks. I think he's going to be smart with it. And I think he's going to go ahead and win by decision or very, very late stoppage. Um, but I think Adesanya is going to go out there and try and make a point. Because I feel like he's a guy that he says that, like, the talk doesn't affect him. And, like, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm piecing up these guys. Like, I don't, you guys don't know what you're seeing, yada, yada, yada. Yelling at the media. Oh, you can't do my job. I can do your yada, 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 the whole thing. <laughs> he's still very, very good. And I think he's going to go out there and try and remind you. I think he's going to try and have Roy Jones, he almost forgot a moment. But that's what he's going to try and do. So I'm going to go and take uh, Israel Adesanya to retain. Co-main event. Very, very interesting fight. And by very, very interesting, I mean, Zhang Weili is like a 5-1 to one favorite <laughs> to defeat the champion Carla Esparza and to retake the women's strawweight title. Uh, the top of the women's strawweight division is just the same people fighting for the belt over and over and over again. Uh, I feel like I'm, I mean, I like it. It's a fun division, but that's what it is. Um, Carlos Barza obviously won the title in May by split decision, beating Rose Yunus in the weirdest fight of all time. 
Uh, prior to that, though, she did have a 5-5 winning streak, and including names like Yan Zhaonan, Marina Rodriguez, Michelle Waldron, Alexa Grasso, Vernajani Daroba. That's not even including her other wins previously in her career, Cynthia Calvillo, Juliana Lima, Rose Namajunas, Beck Rawlings. Like, she's beaten a lot of good people, but she never seems to get the respect she deserves. She can get that respect if she beats Zhang Weili this weekend. Former champion, coming off of that ruthless knockout of Yolanda Jacek, we're sending the former uh, Polish champion into retirement. Dude, this fight is very, very interesting to me for a variety of reasons. I feel like everybody's just kind of thinking, like, oh, yeah, Zhang Weili's going to steamroll her, which is a very reasonable possibility. I mean, I'm not going to say it's not. But this fight is very, very interesting to me. What do you think about it? I mean, look, uh, you didn't even Wei Li because leading into her uh... – what was it, the Rose fight? She went out there and traded with Cejudo, right? And uh she she did the – I mean, and, and look, and in, I think she still has been working out there with him. I mean, in, in leading into this matchup, I mean, who else would you want to have to prepare with, right? I mean, it was the best possible case scenario. We know she's been working on her ground game a lot. And But look, at the end of the day, that doesn't mean Carla Sparza can't control her up top and cause damage and put Whaley in danger. I mean, that's still a very – I mean, that's still possible. You know, it's not set in stone. I think a lot of people think that Willie's going to just be able to walk through her. We don't know that yet. You know, we're going to find that out if she is going to be able to just cause damage, avoid getting taken down, not be on her back. And if she does end up on her back, can she get off of that and cannot be controlled and submitted? Uh, and I think she'll be fine. I think, I mean, she's she's made these changes. She's gotten better. She's upgrading her skill set. And uh, I think Willie should get the victory over Esparza, but... I mean, don't doubt Carla Esparza, man. I mean, she she well could come out here. And give uh, Whaley a lot of trouble, take her down constantly, wear her out. Whaley carries a lot of muscle mass and make her tire, make her blow up those arms and struggle. And I don't think she'll have – and look, it's no disrespect to Carla Esparza, but she really has nothing to offer Whaley on the feet. Uh, what? <laughs> I mean, Josh, come on, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. So, I mean, it, it, it it's uh, – I don't think it is like necessarily a striker versus wrestler matchup like like that because I think Whaley's very rounded. But for as far as I mean, we we know her bread and brother's gonna be on the ground and you know maybe landing some big shots to lead to some takedowns. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that you are gonna go ahead and take Whaley to retake the title. Oh yeah, man. I mean, in, yeah. in in close range in the clinch, I mean she has a lot of advantages and strength wise, I'm, I'm sure she's probably a little stronger than her. Yeah. Well. Or a lot. No, absolutely, absolutely possible. Angel, I've, I've, I've ridden the Carlos Mars train for this, for this far. I might as well go ahead and keep on going. Oh my god. I might as well just keep on going. I was one of the few people that said that she'd beat Rose. Granted, did not expect Rose to have a meltdown and just do nothing for five rounds. Um, but I don't know, man. I feel like, Carla just never gets the respect she deserves, and I feel like because Wei Li is just so destructive that people aren't really giving Carla a chance, man. Like I said, she could get blasted out of it. It's a possibility. But instead, I think what's going to happen, she's going to take that fight to the ground. I think she's much stronger than what people give her credit for. I feel like she's going to take the fight to the ground. And it's like, dude, like, I, I like Wei Li a lot, but... People are really underestimating the cookie monster, Carla Sparks. So I'm going to go and take her to win, take her to retain. I understand it's an upset pick, but honestly, at this point, I might as well just keep on – I might as well take it, you know, go for go for a little upset pick. I mean, it worked out last time. It's worked out for most of the times I've picked Carla Sparks, so I might as well keep on going. Um, I don't know, man. I just got a, I got a weird feeling about it. can't explain it. I feel like 
she's already on this Cinderella run that nobody expected, and I feel like the way, the perfect way to, like, cap it off would be for her to beat Wei Li Zhang. And I feel like she will. I feel like she'd take the fight to the ground. She's much stronger on the ground than what people expect, and she's very, very good there. I feel like she's on the feet. She's obviously a sitting duck, but I feel like even on the feet, she's, like, she does she does a couple little things well that she'll be able to survive and stay in there. So I'm going to say Carla Esparza. However, she could possibly just get blown out of there, and she might have two of the worst championship losses of all time. That's a very real possibility. I mean, she got annihilated by Ioana. People forget how how brutal that one is. Like, the strike count was ridiculous on that one. Same thing could happen here, but I'm going to go for the upset. However, that fight is hard to call. Main event was hard to call. This one up next, man, also very, very hard to call. The lightweights, Dustin Poirier, the Diamond taking on Iron Michael Chandler, two lightweight veterans, two of the most entertaining guys in the game, straight up. Um, winner here is obviously in contention for a title shot. I don't know if they'd be the leading candidate, candidate, but they kind of throw themselves in there. Obviously, like with with Benil, I don't think Benil zero chance he gets a title shot next. I mean, he he deserves one for a while, but let's be honest here. Like, not only did he. He did not call his shot at any point. Not only do that, he did the opposite after he he, he won a UFC 280. He's like, no, nah, man, I'll keep on fighting people. Like, <laughs> I don't need the title shot that badly. Like, okay, dude. So, um, yeah, and then so they'll put themselves in the conversation. But this is going to be a, a – we don't know how, how the fight will turn out in my opinion. I think it's very, very close to call. What we do know is it's going to be one round of fury no matter what happens. Angel, I, point, I pointed to you. What do you think about this fight and who do you got? I mean, great matchmaking, right? I mean, these guys have had beef for a little while now. I don't know where it stems from, but to be a real fucking fight, man. And look, Michael Chandler, explosive as hell, amazing athlete, always comes in great shape, makes weight. Uh, he's built up a good character down in the UFC after leaving Bellator. Dustin, I mean, you know what you get with the diamond, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at this point at 155 in the UFC, you know, we, we know what we could get from him. I'm curious to see if Chandler, what kind of attitude he comes into this fight? Because I feel like for certain, I feel like for his Dan Hooker fight, he was like, I need to go out there and make a statement. And then the Charles fight, he's fighting for the title, and he kind of underestimated him. Justin Gaethje, he's like, I want to put on a show. Tony Ferguson, he needs to get one back. Dustin Poirier, what Michael Chandler comes out? What does Chandler want at this point in his career? That's what I want to see. Um, what do you what do you think you're gonna see on Saturday? From I think I'm, I'm gonna see, I think Iron I'm gonna Mike. see Dust, I think I'm gonna see Dustin Poirier finishing Michael Chandler. Really? Yes. Damn, you're not even. I mean, so, but how how do you see the fight going? Do you think that he's gonna get rocked? Do you think it's gonna be another fight of the year contender? I think it could be. It could turn into that. I mean, and and look, Chandler's you know glass chin, all that man. Fuck man, that that's out the fucking door, dude. After that yeah. fight with Gagey. Yeah, I mean. But he, know, take a, he did take a lot of damage, though. He did take a lot of damage yeah. in the fight. He was fine in the Tony fight, but he got dropped in the Tony fight. you got to remember that. He did get dropped. Tony won round one. Yep. It's like the only round. I think he won one round against Gaethje, but outside of that, it's the only time. Well, shit, and the Nate fight. He, he was he was even winning on the cards until the stoppage. But, yeah, I mean, one of the few highlights that Tony's had was knocking down and beating Chandler in round one. Um, the knockout obviously overshadowed that, so <clears throat> didn't yeah. really talk about it. Look, man, I'm going to go ahead and – or you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna take Mad. What is I'm, what a savage. I'm you're right, I hate you. I'm taking I'm trying I'm taking Iron Michael Chandler. Mostly because of the hype, man. I feel like this is I like Dustin a lot. But Dustin has been out of action for a year. He's a year older. 
And I just don't know how much his heart is in the game, man. I mean, I truly wonder that because he's discussed retirement for a long time. Chandler is still trying to get into a title fight. I feel like he has the power to put him out. So I think he does. I think he goes out there, and I think that he's going to try and pull a Dan Hooker. He's like, he knows that he's on the verge of either getting a title shot or just doing something great, and he knows that his time is limited in this sport and in this position. So I think he goes out there, and I think he fucking does it. I think Iron Michael Chandler, first round finish. I love that. Let's pick. go. Let's go, champ. I like that pick. That's probably one of my favorite picks you've made this year. Yeah, I mean, look, you know what's funny is I kind of don't believe it. I was just, I've I've been thinking, you know. I think the worst pick of the year we both made is Sean Strickland versus Alex Pahab. But, you know, we're here now. We've made it. I just thought there's no chance that he's that stupid to go out. (laughs) That was my mentality, too. Uh, Dude, I was proven wrong. I thought, you look, uh, look, not to be offensive, and I'm not going to use the language I want to use, but. I know exactly what you're thinking, though. uh, I've met a lot of non very intelligent people in my day and i've seen them make not very intelligent decisions i didn't think it was possible for someone like shot like someone who's this high caliber or at least i thought they were high caliber to fight the way they did against alex yeah yeah it was bizarre it was bizarre um and the UFC knew they're probably going to do that too. You know, Josh. I, I, you know, it's fucked up. You know, I would never want to argue against the fighter, but I think I maybe could have got a few more minutes. You know, Nasuke. Yeah, I mean, before you know, I, in, I inevitably curled up in a ball and, and in massive pain. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna. Yeah, I mean, I. That fight is just crazy. I still can't believe he did that, dude. I still, I remember watching in awe. Like, I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? Dude, I, I, I was, I was, I was riding the train hard. So I was like, dude, I have full faith in Sean Strickland, dude. I kept, I kept making sure of the, on the show, you know, cause he was on his win streak now. And it was and before he was, you know, going crazy on the media and shit. Like I, I was on that shit. I agree. And you know, what's interesting is that, I mean, Jesus Christ, man. And he literally, he just went out there and decided to, like, I very rarely do I try, I don't judge a lot of fighter strategies because I've never been in there. Like, I don't, like, I've never had an MMA fight. I've never been a coach. You know, I don't have that experience. But even then, I'm like, man, I would be shooting for my life right now. What the fuck is he doing? And he goes out and gets annihilated in two minutes. Like he didn't even fall. He didn't even feign to take down any time. So yeah, that that fight is ridiculous. But yeah, to kind of reel it back in. Yeah, man, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go and take Michael Chandler for the upset. I don't even know if he'll actually do it. Just it'd be really really entertaining if he does. You know what I mean? So I'm gonna go ahead and take him. I mean, he could he could he could murk him. I mean, let's be honest here. Poirier, not exactly, he's not the fastest starter. And he's been out of action for a year, so I'm gonna, I, you know what? Let, let's 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 go for it. That's how I'm feeling it, feeling about it. But but he's got that dog in him. He does have that. They both they both got that dog. They both have that. Fight so fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're right about that. They both have that dog. That dog in him. But um, yeah, man. Time to go ahead and move on because the retirement of a legend happening on this card. UFC 281, the bantamweight legend, which is still weird that he's a bantamweight. Frankie, the answer, Edgar, former lightweight champion, former featherweight title challenger, been ranked at three weight classes, one of the all-time greats. We'll be calling it, he'll be calling it a day in his hometown in Madison Square Garden where he's fought many times. 
And taking on the rising Chris Gutierrez El Guapo, who we've talked about in the past on a great winning streak, the most low-key one in the UFC, finally getting a, not only a big shot, but he's going to be the man to retire Frankie Edgar. What do you think about this fight, man? Do you think that, uh, obviously, this one's very, very close. We've never seen uh, Chris Gutierrez fight anybody of Frankie Edgar's caliber. What do you think? Bigger of a fight, man. Chris Gutierrez, though, his camp has gone in uh, two legends because uh, he's, uh, I'm forgetting his part, uh, his, uh, uh, one of his teammates' names who fought, uh, Cubs Watson, his name is slipping my mind right now, but they come from the same camp. Yeah, and, I, I know you're talking about. Just, and he, he and, just fought. And he, and, you know, he got Cubs Watson and now he's getting Frankie Edgar. It's kind of crazy how they both got these, uh, older guys who are legends, but, uh, look, he's like, I, we mentioned it on the show, like you said, low key wood streak, you know, the, uh, you know, coming up, he's getting a shot against Frankie Edgar. He'll, I don't think he's in the rankings now, right? But he'll definitely be in the rankings after this, taking Frankie's spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish Frankie would be fighting another legend, man. You know, I would have loved to see a Jose Aldo, you know, Dom Reyes, something like that, man. It was, I, I felt like those were the fights to make at this time in, in the, the division and we were prevented from them. They decided to give these legends, these younger dogs, instead of, you know, putting them against each other. And granted, I would say Aldo was still chasing a title. Dom is still trying to chase that big, you know, title shot too. Mm-hmm. Frankie was, uh, I don't really know if Frankie was still chasing it or not. I think he was trying to make an effort, but. Probably already knew in his mind, like, ah, I'm not going to probably get it, you know? Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? I obviously, I don't want to speak for him, right? But uh, I did, I think Chris Gutierrez is going to come out here, man. I mean, his camp already made a statement against one uh, one veteran of the game. I could see it happening here against Frankie Edgar again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, you said it best. i I got to be honest. I hate this matchmaking. And I, and I like Chris Gutierrez. It's not, that's not even the problem. I just really do hate this matchmaking, though, just because it's like this is a – He's not only an older legend, but like he's been knocked out, multiple, what four of his last five fights, and you're giving him this young phenom. Like I just, I don't get the matchmaking here. I understand that. Like even, I mean, fuck, man, they didn't, they didn't even have to make. I know you mentioned Aldo and Cruz, but like there were other, there are other older dudes. I mean, he could have fought at 145. He could have even had a fight maybe with Jim Miller at 155. And there were so many different options. And we settle on this one. I think Chris Gutierrez is going out there and make a statement. I think he's going to get a big finish win. And, you know, props on Frankie uh, having a great career. I'm obviously talk more about his career next week. But, yeah, man, I mean, I, I don't like matchmaking. I think it's Hey, be, man, but we know. never know. We never know. Yeah, I mean, we never know. But I feel like Frankie's last fight kind of showed that, like, the foundation is there. The fighter is still there. The technique is still there. But the chin is gone, and the gas tank is gone, too. I mean, he gassed out really badly against Marlon Vera. So, and that was only, that was three rounds, man. After round two, he looked spent. So, and that's, yeah. that's something you've never seen from Frankie. That's a bad sign, man. I mean, if that, if that guy, the guy that's always a fucking tank, is always just going, but. He's just older. That's just how it is. He's slower. I think that's, that's true. Yeah. He just slowed down. Like, physically, he's slowed down. He's not, his reaction time isn't as quick as he once was. You know, he's not seeing the punches as quick as he once was. He can't take a punch to give another punch. You know, it's just, that's just how this game goes. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. But yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take Chris Gutierrez, get the biggest win of his career, and probably by a devastating finish. Um, uh, opening up the main card, lightweights, Dan Hooker taking on Claudio Puelles, uh Dan back at 155. He has lost four of his last five, but we got to remember, fight of the night against Dustin Poirier, a very close fight, got caught against Chandler early, two minutes, 30 seconds in, beat Nasrat Hackprass in one of the worst circumstances. Got to remember, he made 
he made it to the country like on like weigh-in day. Um, is they weight. They did. They both made weight. I remember they were both late, if I remember correctly. Yep. So, they weight. Yeah. Uh, he lost Islam Makachev when he took that fight on like a month's notice. Not even a month's notice. Like two weeks' notice, and he had just fought the month pre- uh, previously. And then he lost to Arnold Allen, who might be fighting for a title next. Now he's taking on Claudio Puella. It's not ranked, but 26 years on. Great winning streak. Beat Jordan Levitt, Cruz, uh, Gritzmacher, Clay Guida, a couple of notable names there. I'm, I'm very, very torn in this fight, man. I mean, like, it's, it's going to be very, very interesting. I can see it going either way. What do you think about it? I'm excited, man. I'm surprised they're giving this. They really pushed Claudio since his return because he had, hadn't fought in a decent bit of amount of time. I mean, he had been out. Uh, for two years there, back in 2016, came back in 2018, wasn't super active, you know, one fight and then another fight, and then, you know, 2020 gets taken off, I'm sure with COVID, it was hard to travel, I'm not sure if he trains out of Peru still, or, you know, lives there still, but I'm sure if there was, that would give him some trouble, uh, but man, this kid has a, a sick little ground game, man, I mean, he gave Jordan Levitt hell, who also is kind of crafty on the ground, and uh, managed to get a decision win there. After that, it's been two knee bars in a row. I'm curious to see what he's able to do against a, a guy like Dan Hooker, especially that city kickboxing team that always comes well prepared. And Dan Hooker, man, for all accounts, has kind of let, been a let down lately, right? But I mean, there's a lot that factors into it: weight changes, hard matchmaking, short notice here, you know. And even with his win. Obviously, his opponent had to make, you know, also short notice. I think he had a loss in the family as well. I mean, it was just, there's a lot of things leading into it. And, I mean, the last time I felt like we saw Dan Hooker at his best, like you said, was probably that Dustin Poirier fight. Mm-hmm. And that was back in 2020, man. And it was a fucking war. And it was good. It was great. And before that, I think, it, didn't him and Paul Felder also have, like, a fucking war before that, too? Uh, yeah, that was a very, very close fight. Five rounds, I believe, in Australia. And that was also a banger, if I remember. I could be wrong, but regardless, it's been a while since I think we've seen peak Dan Hooker. I'm curious to see if we're going to get to see that Dan Hooker again, right? Because I don't feel like we've we've had that as of lately. And like I said, there's there's things that, uh, you know, caveat his last one a little bit, but... I'm, I don't know if he's going to be able to get it done, man. We have this uh, sick jiu-jitsu Peruvian player, man, who's coming in. Uh, but, I mean, it's city kickboxing, man. These guys make a great uh, great game plan. I know Eugene Berriman's been putting the guys through it, and there's been a lot of stuff going in internally in that camp. And they're a family, and they have stuff going on, I guess, and some changes have been made. And Dan Hooker, out of all the guys who were fighting tonight, Carlos Obro, Brad Riddell, Israel, has been the one struggling the most. And he spoke up personally about stuff that, go on, that was going on in training. I'm curious to see if he is a reflection of what he is speaking to the team and is able to perform mm-hmm. on Saturday night. Uh, I will not be picking him, though, Josh. I will go into oh. the fellas. Damn. Yeah, man. Um, can't blame I can't blame you for that. I am going to go ahead. You see, I'm, I'm, I've been so torn on, on all these, man. I really have been. Like, essentially, every single fight outside of Chris Gutierrez, for me, has essentially been like a coin flip. And for this one, I'm going to – fuck it, Angel. Let's just go against the grain. I'm taking Dan Hooker, man. I'm going for it. Um, we disagreed on most of the fights on this card, which is pretty rare. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and take Dan. I think 
I think that he's motivated. I think this is a good matchup for him. I think, like, Claudio Puelas is very, very good, but I gotta wonder what happens whenever he can't get that knee bar. Um, like, he's not bad regardless, but I, I do think that he's gonna be in for... There's there's levels to this game, and I think Claudio Puelas' best win is a 41-year-old Clay Guida. And I think Dan Hooker is maybe not... In his prime, but he's still close enough there. He's taking a lot of damage, but I don't think he'll take much damage in this one. Probably going to be a grappling heavy fight, and I think he'd be able to outpoint him on the feet and keep the fight mostly on the feet. So I'm going to go ahead and take Dan Hooker. I think it's going to be a very, very fun fight, though, and I can see it going the other way. <clears throat> as far as the rest of the card goes, man, stacked. Stacked prelims. A lot of good fights. Which ones do you most want to talk about? Uh... I mean, I was going to say one more thing before we kind of, like, moved over. But also, like, kind of, like, to give you some more credit on your pick and maybe give you some confidence. Yeah. I mean, they got – I mean, Craig Jones lives out there, you know? Huh. Big, big leg lock game. I'm sure they probably reached out to him and, uh, you know, a, a lot of uh, attacks that he does or, or he has worked a lot on, on particularly working on those positions. I'm sure they probably reached out. They're like, hey, how do we, you know, take care of this? So – you know, to give you a little bit of confidence there, maybe, maybe they reached out, brought him in, and maybe he helped work on some stuff. Who knows, right? Obviously, just a, a possibility, but if that gives you any sort of hope for your pick, then there you go. And I don't know, if, and, and I don't know, I don't have any insider information if they have talked to Craig or anything, but if they did, then, I mean, that's, that's a pretty good fucking guy to talk about this kind of <laughs> jujitsu stuff, especially around the legs and knee bars and leg locks and stuff like that. But uh, kind of to reel it back in and talk about fights. I mean, uh, let's go back uh, down one, man. We got to keep talking about city kickboxing. Uh, Brad Riddell versus Hinata Moicano. Uh Fuck, man. It's, it's been a while, right, since we've seen Brad Riddell. I mean, what, what, what was the last time? Uh, last time we saw Brad Riddell <clears throat> was uh, July when he lost to Jalen Turner in 45 seconds by sub. Fuck man, but Jalen Turner looks like a fucking beast right now too. Yeah, he he, dude, he's a savage. So I I don't know. But I'm I mean, Red Ellis had two tough ones out. You know, Jalen Turner had a, a physique. I mean, a fucking wheel kick in the third round. Uh, which I fuck man, I, if I remember, I think I picked physique for that one. And you picked Riddell, right? I think so. Pick out of my. I'm pretty proud of that. Looking back at it. Good for you. <laughs> God, Josh, why, why don't you just give me a blowjob then? <laughs> I mean, try not to. I mean, I got <laughs> this dude. I got my husband Leon Edwards, so I'm already busy. You know, um, Jesus, <laughs> bringing it back to the green room discussion. But anyways, man, uh, yeah, that's gonna be a banger. I, that was gonna be very, very close to call. I think um, Hanato Moicano. I feel like people forget he took a absolute mauling last time he fought. So who knows how much damage that's gonna that's gonna do on him. Um, Brad Riddell taking some shots too, so that's gonna that's actually really good matchmaking. Honestly, that's like really really good matchmaking. Both guys on the border of the top fifteen, but they're not in there. They've lost a couple in a row, but they're not like this isn't like a lose at least town matchup. It's probably a good matchmaking there. Uh, I got to admit to you, man, the most fight I'm most hyped for the return of Dom Reyes. I mean, on the free well, one of the fights I'm most hyped for on the prelims. Um, Dom Reyes, obviously, he has been through the <laughs> dude. He's been through the woods. All right, he he's going through the ringer right now. Three losses in a row. Uh, let's be honest, two. Um, he did lose to Jan Wachowicz in his first title defense since taking the belt since, since taking the belt from John Jones, and then he lost to Yuri Brozhaka. Both those fights being knockouts. Um, he didn't get blown out of the water in either one. He just Jan. Well, I will say Jan did, did a lot of work on it. But the Yuri fight was pretty back and forth until he got caught with the most ruthless spinning back elbow you've ever seen. Thing on Ryan's fan. 
Very interesting matchmaking here because I feel like we haven't seen this is basically the closest thing that you're gonna get to a tune up in the UFC. You know what I mean? Ryan is ranked number twelve. Dom, if he's still if he's still a fraction of as good as he was prior to taking two devastating knockouts, he should win this one pretty cleanly. But we don't know. That's what makes it interesting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, very good fight there. Um I feel like the fight I'm probably most high for on the prelims is Aaron Blanchfield. I mentioned her earlier, taking on Molly McCann. Meatball Molly is on a hell of a run right now. She's become a fan favorite with her last three uh, three wins, two of those being just by devastating knockout. Um, and now she's taking on Aaron Blanchfield, who, like I said, probably the greatest female prospect in the sport right now, 9-1, uh, 23 years old, only 23. Um Hell of a ground game. I'm very excited for this fight. What do you think about that one? It's a banger, too. I mean, she's uh, one of those gals that we always mention, uh, especially you. You know, I mean, you and I say it every time. You, you've been there since the start, right? Yeah. I was there for – I can look at her wiki, actually, real quickly. I was there for her third fight, which was against Kay Hansen. Wow. Back in 2018. Yeah, back in 2018. Oh, actually, now. yeah. Never mind. I meant, I meant, I was there for her second fight. Excuse me. Really? Uh, yeah, her second career fight against Brittany Cloudy and Invicta FC 30. Did not think she looked very, very good. She actually opened up the card. Did not look great. Um, but then she just kept on working and she kept on impressing me, dude. I mean, her knockout of Victoria Leonardo was great. She beat Kay Hansen. I thought she beat Tracy Cortez, but lost uh, by split at the time. Yeah, man, I mean, she's worked her ass off to get to where she is now, and she's improving rapidly fight to fight. I mean, she dominated Miranda Maverick. Sarah Alpar, she beat, like, 30-24 in the cards. Submitted J.J. Aldridge. She's kind of, like, the top, one of, like, the gatekeepers in that division. So, yeah, man, I'm 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 psyched to see what she does next. Yeah. But, yeah, man, um, as far as the rest of the card goes, I mean, what are some other ones you're most looking forward to on the uh, the early prelims? Oh man, uh, Carlos Holberg, man, uh, opening up the 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 whole thing uh, against Nicholas Nigramanu. Nigramanu, gotta give it. You a good be try. careful. <laughs> hey man, I gave it a pretty good try. That's a yeah. Romanian last name. Yeah. Uh, I mean, last time out, man, uh, Nicholas getting his sick finish over Igor uh, Pucheria. I'm giving my best here for these names. Dude, before you're, that, you're killing it. You're, you're, you got some. You got that dog in there right now. Before that, a split over Kennedy and Shibuku, who's a guy I love a lot. I have a lot of hope for him. I hope he continues to grow in the sport. Uh, hard one for Olberg, man, because only six and one. He looked. Uh, uh, he got a, a nice win last time against the phone in Shibuku. Big finish in the first round. Before that, got one over Farber Shrank because he lost in Shibuku. Because he gassed hard to look fucking great in that first round, or at least put a lot on him in that first round. So let's see if he can keep it rolling. Maybe get a, the seventh win here and cl- and uh, have a nice or round out the record nice at a nice seven and one. But he's a tough fucking fight ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, that, that's opening up the card, and that is such a good location for that fight because those two dudes are going to go out there and bank. Obviously, Carlos Carlos Olber, Let's go ahead and call it for what it is. The most handsome man in the UFC. We got to give it to him, Andrew. I'm just saying, we got to give it to him. Um, it's him or Drew Dober, right? I've got, you know, th- this is just my type, Angel, but I just... <laughs> Dude, the ladies love Drew Dober from what I hear. That's, I mean, yeah, you know, I've, 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 uh, I've heard that as well. 
I've also heard the same about Carlos Holberg. And the dude comes to bang. So uh, very excited about that fight, opening up the, opening up the early prelims. Um, dude, you know what's going to be, like, a low-key banger that, like, nobody's talking about? Silvana Gomez-Juarez taking on our girl, Carolina Kokovic. Carolina's coming off of that awesome sub where she went ahead and uh, retired Felice Herring. She's, well, retired. <laughs> she was retired for a week and a half. Uh, she's in BKFC, same as all of them. Um, but Silvana Gomez-Juarez is probably the hardest-hitting women's fighter I've seen in, like, a long time. I mean, she lost to Lupita Godinez instantly. But, you know, early, early uh, in her career, obviously, there's her first UFC fight. She took that fight on short notice. I believe um, she even got that fight, like, the week of. So, I don't put that one on her. Vanessa Diamopoulos, she knocked out, but Vanessa was able to recover in time to get the submission win early in the first. And then she knocked the fuck out of Liang Na in uh, June. So Savannah got, uh, Silvana Gomez-Juarez is one of the hardest-hitting fighters, women's-wise, in the UFC. So I'm very excited to see that one. Will it be Carolina taking it to the ground or Silvana, uh, Silvana going, keeping it on the feet and just knocking her out? It's going to be an excellent fight. Interesting style matchup there. Uh, Julio Arce, Montel Jackson at Bantamweight should be fun. Michael Trezano taking on Choi Sing-Woo. It, that's that's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough one for uh, Michael Trezano. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, and then also Matt Favola, Ottoman Azatar. Ottoman Azatar, uh, this is going to be his first fight in over two years because he had that weird thing where he got cut from the UFC and then he didn't get cut from the UFC because he broke COVID protocols and so on and so forth when he was at Fight Island in 2020. Finally back, and that's going to be a very, very fun fight. So, yeah, man, the top to bottom, dude, this card is just excellent. Excellent card. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. And I'm very, very excited about it. Angel, any other closing thoughts before we move on? I'm just excited, man. Like you said, you mentioned Armin Azaitar, Andre Petrovsky in there, who we like to bring up a lot. Mm-hmm. Savannah, uh, some control. I mean, a lot of bangers down there below, and Julio Arce and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. For sure, man, for sure. Lots of bangers on this one, so it should be very, very fun. Um, also this weekend, we got to mention it. Got to talk about it, Angel. Sunday. I'm assuming they put this on Sunday, not uh, to go head-to-head with the UFC, if I had to guess. But Sunday in Dubai, Floyd Money Mayweather will be having his exhibition with Deji, the tank, Olomotunji, who is fresh off his professional boxing debut, where he knocked out that scrub foozy tube. No, I'm joking. Um, he did beat he did beat him ruthlessly, though. So, uh, yeah, man. Really, I'm just happy for Deji. Never in a million years would I imagine that be he'd have a fight with Floyd Mayweather for six for not even six rounds, excuse me, eight rounds. Insane. Um, what's your excitement level, man? Because this is an exhibition. Let's be honest. Floyd probably gonna take it easy on him. So I'm not gonna beat the shit out of him. He may. I mean, he sometimes he turns it on in these exhibitions. But I mean, what are you expecting? What's your intensement uh, and excitement level for this one? I mean, it's. You know, I mean, how, how how excited can you really get for an exhibition? I mean, it's interesting, right? Obviously, we uh, the interest for me is obviously to see how Deji does. He did, he got a, I don't know, has a fun little performance, whatever that can be in an exhibition. Mm-hmm. But let's be real, the real main event's uh, Paul Bomba versus Tommy Fury, Josh. You know, <laughs> oh, you know it. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say, man. Um, <laughs> I, probably well, lose this. 
I don't think he will, but from what I've heard, Paul Bamba's got some he's got some power. So, I mean, he can make things interesting. I mean, I, let me let me look some more up. Because I remember if I remember correctly, this kid's like a for, this kid, he's like 35, but he's 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 a former marine. I believe he actually was like a he's like a trainer as well. He's 5 and 1 with he's pretty bad all ass. knock no, four knockouts. So, tough dude, tough dude. I mean, he's coming off a knockout win uh in September. So we'll see. I mean, I'm expecting Tommy Fury to go out and put a beating on him. But let me go ahead and ask you this. I feel like this entire card is interesting, like top to bottom. Like there's something for everybody. Delphine Pursuin is back. She's one of the greatest women's boxers on the planet. Bobby Fish, former WWE, former AEW, now Impact wrestler, who actually used to be a uh, kickboxer, is going to be making his professional boxing debut on this card. Because um, he's been calling out CM Punk, funny enough, since Punk's probably going to be out of AEW. Um, Harley Benz on the undercard, Jack Fincham, Anthony Taylor. There's something for everybody. But here's the big thing. Angel, what's the fight you're most looking forward to? And also, let me go and ask this as well. Why do you think Jake Paul is out in Dubai? Why do you think that? Because KSI oh, will be at this fight. Fuck. No, hold on. No, no, here's the thing. He has storylines of people up and down this card. Tommy Fury, obviously he was scheduled to fight him twice. KSI is going to be there because he's in Deji's corner. Obviously Deji... Is still, which won't happen, but he's still holding out hope that he'll one day get a rematch with Jake. I mean, why do you think Jake Paul is there? And honestly, what, what is, what's the fight you're most looking forward to once you go ahead and move past that one? Because, Josh, Jake's out there waiting for the greatest moment to happen in boxing history. He's waiting. He's there to see Deji knock out Floyd Money Mayweather and call out Deji for the biggest fight in boxing history after Deji beating the greatest <laughs> boxer of all time. It will be the biggest thing in boxing history. It will sell dozens of pay-per-views. It will be the number one most sold pay-per-view in all of the world, man, of all time. <laughs> okay, so what, you, what, do you, what do you really think? <laughs> uh, You know... I don't know. I think he's just there to kind of see how Tommy does. Maybe see if he has a good performance. Maybe call him out. Maybe have some talks out there. Maybe he wants to make a fight out there because of, you know, the money that's available out there. Uh, maybe call out JJ while he's there. Hop up on the mic. You know, talk about some cup promotion. Who knows? There's, there's a lot of things that you could do. Yeah, man. I mean, I think that's interesting. That's the most, that's one of the most interesting parts of the car for me because it's not a mistake that Jake ends up, you know, he, he beats Anderson, and one of his first decisions, he's like, all right, I'm going to go out to Floyd Mayweather versus Deji, where, you know, my longtime rival KSI is going to be there, and Tommy Fury's also going to be there, and so will Deji, a former opponent, and Anthony Taylor, a former teammate. So there is elements all throughout the card. So Jake has the opportunity to set up a fight here, and I think here's my bold prediction. By the end of this weekend, we will know who Jake Paul is fighting next. Or we will have a very good idea. I don't think anything will be made official, but I think that we're going to go ahead and have like an idea of what's next for him. Like it's not a mistake. Like for all like my criticisms of Jake Paul's boxing journey, and, but like I have my my fair share of them. That he is a smart guy when it comes to promotion, and him and Nikisa do things very very well. You know what I mean? They set shit up very very well. So I think by the end of the weekend we'll have an idea of who's fighting next. Um, it'll be somebody in relation with this card. What if it's uh, Floyd? What if it's Floyd? Oh, I didn't even mention Floyd. What, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, Jake's been calling for that. Even Floyd said he'd fight him in a professional fight. Do you imagine Floyd, that? Floyd said if they can get if they can work out the weight, he'd fight him in a professional fight and Shugizzi wants to fuck him up. <laughs> oh, Which, to be fair, pretty badass, but... <laughs> right. I'll fuck you up, dude. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> 
Yeah, because I saw an interview with him probably like two weeks ago, and Floyd was like, you know, he's 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 a hell of a boxer, you know, hell of a boxer, and he's uh and he says that he doesn't want to fight me in exhibition, you know, I'm money may, and I need to go ahead and uh, that's a pretty get, good impression. Get that way. money, you know, and as a part of that, if he doesn't want to do it in exhibition, we could do it in a professional boxing match, you know, and uh, I can be fifty one and fifty one and all, and uh, we'll do it then, we'll run it, you know, and by the way, thank you because I think that was a hell of an impersonation. And uh, Josh is doing a great job right now with the way I enunciate, the way I speak, you know. Um, thank you. But anyways, yeah, I think I think I didn't mention Floyd. I'm so dumb. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable possibility next too. Like, <laughs> so, but Angel, it will totally. Let's be honest here. It could be Bobby Fish. If every... <laughs> no. No, I'm fucking around. But hey, man, I mean, this is a, this is a Misfits boxing card. It's a. Uh, you know, it's a DAZN card, DAZN pay-per-view. Will you be shilling out the 15 bucks to watch this? Absolutely not. No, I'm not either. <laughs> not anything against it. I think it's going to be fun, especially on Sunday when there's no combat sports. I think they, they, they built this up well. I'll give them credit. Like, this, uh, the people that are behind this, the Global Titans Fight Series or whatever it's called, um, they are doing a great job of promotion. The last time they had a card, I think it was Floyd and Anderson, and it was like in May, um, and they barely promoted it at all. So I think they're doing a good job now. They're working with Misfits, working with uh, DAZN. Never thought I'd see Floyd Mayweather on DAZN, but it is what it is, you know. Uh, so, yeah, man, very excited for it. Any closing thoughts on the card before we move on to the news? No, nothing else. I think we covered it pretty well. That's what I thought as well. Um, moving on. Folks, uh, the Bantamweight division is not any closer to having any clarity than we were last week whenever we talked about it, but we do have a new idea. Shooker Sean O'Malley, who we, you know, he's supposed to get a title shot if he beat Peter Yan, and then Dana said, fuck you, and then, you know, he's like, Cejudo's gonna go in front of you, and then Aljamain said, I'm not gonna fight Cejudo, I'm out till June, Cejudo said, I'll fight Sean in March for an interim title. Sean said, like that idea, not with you though, you don't deserve it. I'd much rather fight Cheeto Vera. <laughs> So, Angel, yay or nay on a Sean O'Malley-Cheeto Vera interim title rematch in March in Australia? Why the fuck not, man? Why the fuck not? I'd be down. You're down? Do you think that's the fight to make, though? Like, looking at the rest of the division. I mean, yeah. Who else Who else would you even put it together with right now? And there's history there. We could sell well. You know, I I can't think of anybody else at this time you could put in that position pretty comfortably, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and um, say I, I, I mean, I still think that the, the the right thing to do is to just have Sean fight Aljo whenever he comes back, because I think this is all negotiating and him trying to posture. But if he's not, then I think you should do Sean versus Sudo. Well, well, I mean, yeah, if that's available too, then yeah, they could do that as well. If Sudo's not available, then you do Marlon. Yeah. Which, I mean, Tsuhuda's not a much better matchup than Aljamain is, so. Well, I mean, it's close. It's, 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 it's definitely close. I mean, I feel like I, I don't think either matchup is good for Sean, but I mean, I feel like, I, you know, I can see the pros and cons to both of them, but, you know. Anyways, man, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'd only do that fight if Tsuhuda can't make it and if Aljo can't make it, but. I don't know, man. I think Sugar Sean O'Malley deserves to be a part of the next title fight regardless of what happens. But anyways, um, moving on. You know what we actually forgot to mention last week, Angel? 
There was a combat sports legend who was making their retirement fight, and we did not discuss it. And I and I feel like we 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 got to give him the shine now because Mark the Super Simone Hunt, who is forty eight years young, <laughs> been around in the game since the nineties. His, his his first fight in any capacity was a boxing match in nineteen ninety eight. He's oh, been shit. in boxing, kickboxing, MMA, fought for UFC titles. Uh, Made it to K1 Grand Prix Finals. I mean, he he's done and seen, well, actually, me, won the K1 Grand Prix Finals in 2001. He's done it all. He's seen it all, and he retired last Sunday, I believe. Nope. Well, I guess it would have been Sunday. Yeah, excuse me, the fifth. Uh, Sonny Bill Williams, who is an undefeated professional boxer, former rugby player. Uh, most people don't really know this, but for some reason, uh. Boxing in Australia is like how they were doing the Jake Paul shit years before. There's Sonny Bill Williams, there's <laughs> Mark Hunt, not excuse me, not Mark Hunt. There was uh, Paul Gallen who just beat Mark Hunt by the way like a year ago. There's the Barry Hall, I believe. Yeah, he's a rugby player. They just all box for some reason. I don't know. But anyways, he was undefeated. He was nine and zero. He even beat a uh, former. Uh, if you guys know the name Francois Botha, uh, who former like champion, he beat him a couple of years ago. Um, Mark Hunt, final fight, huge underdog. He knocks the fuck out of Sonny Bill Williams, man. Gets the TKO, man. Uh, it was it was a Cinderella ending to his career. You don't see it was a storybook ending. You don't see that stuff too often. What do you think about the knockout? Because I'm sure you saw it. And also, what do you think about Mark Hunt calling it a calling it a day, man? I mean, 48 years old, but we see that even at his age, he's still got that power. But what do you think about him calling it a day and ultimately his uh, final win? Good for him, man. You always want to see guys end on a good note, and that's a good way to end it. And it's 48, man. You don't got to do this shit no more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just go home and relax and enjoy retirement. And, you know, I hope he has his, you know, his financials all in place and he's able to do what he likes to do or, you know, or work in something he likes to work in still, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Josh, he's one of the, what are the halves of why this thing exists? This podcast, yeah. One of the one of the first fights I ever saw, Bigfoot Silva, Mark Hunt. I mention it all the time. I mean, obviously, it started with Connor knocking out Aldo, and you know, fucking seconds. But then it was also preceded by Josh showing me Mark Hunt versus Bigfoot Silva, mm-hmm. a highlight that I actually have saved on my watch later on YouTube because I love it that much, and it means that much to me. I mean, there's a lot of history behind that fight for myself personally, and these two fighters that I can't. You know, it, it's uh, in it, it, it now, Joshua. <laughs> you can't see it, man, but I, I, uh, I, I am uh, getting a little emotional, you know, because it's it's mm-hmm. sad. But that's life, man, and, and I'm happy for him. And like I said, I, I, it's good to see him going out on top. Mm. Yeah, man. I mean, you 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 said it the best there. I mean, and even just beyond that fight, Mark has been a been an important figure in so many fighters' careers. I mean, he beat Vanderlei, he beat Mirko. Whenever both of those guys were near their peaks, like that's fucking incredible. Like he beat he granted Vanderlei much smaller than than uh <laughs> than Mark Hunt. I think he actually weighed like a hundred pounds less, or it was like seventy five or something crazy. But he still ended Vanderlei's like really really long winning streak in Pride. That was he was the guy. Like he beat Dan Henderson, Sakuraba, uh, Rampage twice by that point. Camping. Yuki Kondo. You know who ended that run? Fucking Mark the Super Samoan Hunt. That's who ended that run. 
And then he beat uh, Mirko whenever Mirko was, you know, I don't want to say Mirko was at his peak, but he was damn near close. I mean, he was one, <laughs> he was two fights removed uh, from his fight with Fedor, and it was one of the greatest heavyweight fights of all time. So, shout out Fedor. Yeah, shout out Fedor, the GOAT. Um, so, yeah, man, Markon's he's been there. He's done it all, and uh, props to him, man. I mean, hell of a run. Always been one of my favorites. Uh, always been one of those entertaining guys. For him to go out there and get a win, too. In a boxing match, nonetheless, because I don't know if people don't really know this, but he fought in boxing before this. He fought Paul Gallen in uh, December 2020. I remember thinking he got fucked in that one. I was like, damn, man, that's probably going to be his last fight. That sucks. But it wasn't. It wasn't. He takes two years off, and he goes out there and knocks out Sonny Bill Williams, who is just... I mean, he was a former WBA international champion not that long ago. Like I said, like he beat Francois Bolte. He's beaten a couple of nice guys, and... Gotta give him props, man. And Mark Hunt, 48 years old, pulling off a massive upset and calling it quits. And I know that he said afterwards, he's like, man, I really, I really like doing this, but <laughs> I'd love to do this again, but I, I just, I can't do it anymore. Smart yeah. man, dude. Smart man. Yeah. So also on top of that, Josh, he was one of the original people when it comes to being like, specifically, specifically in combat or fighting where the body, did not look of what you thought an athlete who competes in combat would look like. You know? Yeah. I mean, he was probably the first guy who broke that barrier, right? Yeah. At least that, at least that idea of being, like, fucking jacked and there tall. were There were a couple of guys. Uh, I know that Butterbean also started in MMA around that time, funnily enough. They were going to fight each other in pride, but it didn't happen. But I mean, uh, as far as actually carrying it on and exact success. And exactly. He was one of the, the guys that showed, like, Body's not everything, you know? And, uh, damn, man, he was good. He was really, really good, you know? We gotta go and give him props, man. I mean, Mark Hunt, one of the most entertaining guys. Well, you know something, Josh? Hopefully his, uh, former, you know, dance partner in the Octagon, uh, Bigfoot Simple takes one out of his book, too. Yeah, you know what? That's the guy who really should have retired. <laughs> Hashtag save Bigfoot. Not that Hashtag Bigfoot. save Bigfoot, man. I mean, he isn't, I, don't, I hope to God he doesn't have a fight schedule right now. I don't think he does. So they sh- he should really, really call it quits, you know. I'm happy we didn't see him versus fucking Bigfoot and, like, Bellator or something like the trilogy. God. That would have been, <laughs> been bad for both of them, though, in some capacity. That's true. Um, yeah, man. Huge props to Mark Hunt. Absolute living legend, you know. Props to him. Um, time to move on, though, because we do a couple other things to quickly hit before we back out of this and uh, end the show. Kayla Harrison, who is uh, going to headline PFL's first pay-per-view later this month in uh, New York, I believe, against Larissa Pachenko. Super excited for that fight trilogy. Larissa has won five fights in a row by knockout in the first round. So she's done everything she possibly can to make that a big fight. Kayla Harrison making it official, though. Um, she uh, did a couple of uh, interviews earlier this week. And I covered this for BJPen.com. She announced that, the greatest MMA side on the planet, she announced that she is going to be, A, after her fight with Larissa Pachenko, leaving the tournament format, and she will also be heading down to featherweight. She went ahead and stated um, that the grind for her, because you don't really think about it, but Kayla Harrison has essentially been fighting nonstop for about four years now. She's had 15 fights in four years. That's really active, man. And uh, she's always said, like, you know, people people will, like, get mad. Or like, you know, you know, you don't fight anybody at 155. But, like, she's always been like, I'll fight at 145, but I can't do the tournament. Now she's fully making that move. She's heading down. 
I'm excited to see what happens with her uh, next year. What do you think about this decision to go ahead and leave the tournament format and ultimately make the move down to 145? I think for for one, it opens up matchups for her. You know, there's mm-hmm. no women basically at 55. There isn't many at 45, but at least it's more than 55. You know. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a big thing too. And obviously, if she's not going to be fighting as regular as she was before at 55, she'll be able to cut down the weight, feel more com- you know, be, be able to make that weight comfortably. Rather than have to make that weight consistently, maybe in a tournament. Like if they did decide to do a 45 tournament format, you know, she can do it on her own terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it opens up a lot of matchups for her. And um, I don't know who the matchup's going to be. I know that they signed Aspen Lab, Julia Bud's still around there. Megan Anderson's a free agent if they want to go for her. I mean, we'll see. I mean, as far as it's the right move to go, but I don't know who she'll fight moving forward. Um, because most of the 145ers, I think the next tournament's going to be a 145. So there's going to be even less people for her to fight. So, I mean, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I have high hopes for her making the move down to 145. Um, also, speaking of PFL, last uh, topic of the day, Shane Burgos. We've been very, very, very high on him. I was super excited to see his move. To the PFL, no longer happening. He's supposed to fight on Kayla Harrison versus Luis Pachenko. Three was to be on the pay-per-view. Instead, he's going to face Marlon Marais. Instead, he's out due to injury. Don't know how long he'll be out. And he's actually going to take Marlon Marais is going to stay on the card and take on Shaman Marais. Marais versus Marais. Actually, they fought all the way back in 2015. Marlon defeated him by third-round submission. We'll get to see the rematch. Can we thoughts on this new fight booking and ultimately... Uh, what do you think about Shane Burgos pulling out of his uh, PFL debut? Really sucks, man. I mean, I was excited for that matchup. I thought it was going to be fun. It was exciting seeing Marlon uh, fight up a weight class. Uh, and now he's not. Apparently, he's in a, I'm looking at it right now. It says he's going to fight at 35. So, well, shit. Mm-hmm. Well, curious to see how that goes. Uh, but I was excited to see the weight change. Obviously, Shane Burgos last cut to 145 because he said he was going to be fighting at 155. He's going to be doing a tournament for Matt. So... Kind of a letdown, but hey, man, Marlon gets to fight someone he's fought before, especially after having such a kind of you know rough time recently. And for his opponent, maybe he could get one bat back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So I mean, I think this is a good fight booking. I'm glad that they actually gave. I did not like the. I was excited for for Shane, but I did not like the booking with Marlon. I'll put it like that. Yeah, that's that's you know, no, I get it. This one makes a lot more sense. I mean, Shane Morales is, is a good guy, but Marlon, this will be a much more competitive fight. I'll put it like that. This should, this should be way more competitive. And, hey, maybe even Marlon goes out there and gets a big win, and then, you know, we're right back talking about, like, oh, shit, maybe Marlon Morales does have more to offer. So um, I feel bad for Shane, but this is probably the right booking that should have been made since the beginning. But, anyways, uh, any other thoughts on that or anything else before we close out? No, man, I mean, we covered it very well. I mean, I, I can't wait to come back for next week's show. Obviously, post-pay-per-view, a lot of stuff going on there. Obviously, uh, you talk about Deji out in uh, – not, not Deji, Jake out in Dubai. I mean, Deji's going to be out there too. And uh, all the stuff riding with that. And then obviously coming back next week for another fun card. I believe that's – is it Lewis Spivak? Uh, mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but the Black Beast returns. And then Bell Tour 288, we get a conclusion to Nemcov versus Anderson 2. Along Damn with right. the title, along with the title online for Pitbull versus Usman Nurmagomedov, let's see if he actually holds it down at 155 like he's been claiming. But that's next week. Mm-hmm. 
that is next week. Next week is going to be a packed show, man. But, uh, yeah, man, I think, I think we covered everything pretty well here. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I'm at Josh Evanoff on Twitter. He's at Andrew Takeout underscore one. Uh, Ackwards that time for all things relating to the show. If you guys also want to go and give our sponsors a try, it's code SOUNDOFF for both Rogue Energy and Elixir.com. Get 10% off there with code SOUNDOFF as well. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Peace and butt grease. Mouse click. <laughs>